This is Spiritual Directors Talking About Stuff, the podcast where spiritual directors talk about stuff. How do we experience God? How do we evolve in our understanding of faith? How do we expand our picture of God's love? These questions and more will guide our talks. Here are your hosts, Chris Aker and Maggie Schlosser. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode four of Spiritual Directors Talking About Stuff. In previous episodes, we have talked just a little bit about what spiritual direction is. And in today's episode, we are going to take a deep dive into spiritual direction, uh, talk about what it is, kind of um, all the many facets of it, what it is and what it isn't, and uh, how spiritual directors go about doing what they do. For the sake of this podcast, just to give some general definitions, we're going to be using the words director and directee. The director is the the spiritual director, what Chris and I do, and we help facilitate the conversation or the the session uh, between God and the person who is seeking out direction. And that person we call the directee. That's the person that wants to connect with God or whatever God is to them. So Chris, let's talk a little bit about our philosophies of spiritual direction. We mentioned a little bit about this in previous episodes, but um, for me, I like to think of direction as a sacred place for the directee and God. The agenda is set by God. It's a place to be who you are. And uh, I love this image of wrestling with God Um, and it, this is a safe place for the directee to be who they are, to wrestle with God, to process and talk through, um, to be listened to, um, and uh, just be on this journey with God. One thing that's really important for spiritual directors is that we do no harm. So that means that we stay as neutral as possible. We don't put our views on another person And we just try to be the most loving presence that we possibly can. I personally am from a Christian tradition, but that doesn't mean that I can't sit with someone from a different tradition or someone that doesn't have any spirituality in their life at all. While I approach spiritual direction through a Christian perspective, uh, the directee and I do not have to be aligned within the same faith tradition or even agree on matters of theology and faith in order to explore and uh, attend to these matters that, that matter deeply. And spiritual direction is based on the truth that God is at work in your life, whether you're aware of it or not. And our goal as a director is to help you pay better attention to God's work and to hear the voice of the spirit within you. Um, Many people uh, come to us wanting to, to learn more about how they can hear God working or how, how they can hear God speaking and how they can discern where God is working. And so uh, that's what we do with, with you. Um, we help you dig deep into the feelings that you're feeling and experiences you're having so that we can see what deeper things they point to. Um, as Maggie mentioned earlier, our agenda for you is irrelevant. However, we want to see you grow in your relationship with God. We want to see you deepen your prayer life. However, the way you get there is not our agenda. It's God's agenda, and we want to follow God's agenda. Therefore, we don't have any timeline for you. We don't have any deadlines and say that you have to meet this goal by you know, X time. 
but you uh, you just go at the rate of the, the spirit is, is moving you. And so we follow that. We also have no intent to fix you as though you are broken. Um, we just want to see uh, we just want to see you made whole and that is God's desire for you as well. I love that idea of uh, becoming whole. That is a really important image for spiritual direction. Margaret Gunther wrote a book called Holy Listening, and it's all about the art of spiritual direction. And um, and she kind of talks about three different uh, profiles that a spiritual director can take. And this really, I think, is more beautiful imagery of uh, what the philosophy of spiritual direction is. She says that a spiritual director is a host, a teacher, and a midwife. The host is that um, if you think of a hospitality and how a, a host, when someone is staying with you, shares their space, the person that is seeking spiritual direction is on a journey, a journey in their relationship with God, in a relationship with themselves, and just in, in a relationship with life. We are all travelers on this journey, including the director. Um, and Margaret Gunther says that uh, these, our travelers are weary and homesick. And so the way that a spiritual director can be a host to someone on this journey is really, again, just a beautiful image of spiritual direction. She also says that a director is a teacher, but not a teacher in a traditional sense. Um, as a former high school teacher myself, I know what it's like to stand up in front of a whole bunch of uh, of teenagers and tell them how to do math the right way. This is not what spiritual direction looks like. The director doesn't share information or tell somebody what to do or what to think, but we do teach discernment and we do help guide the directee on this journey to discovering for themselves what the voice of God looks like and who they are and ways that they can grow in their own self-knowledge, but it's not the director that tells them what that is or who they are. That is the journey that the directee gets to journey themselves. From the Christian perspective, uh, I believe that Jesus really was the best model for teacher. Um, And uh, the way that Jesus taught was that Jesus asked questions. Jesus modeled spiritual direction in a really cool way, if you read through the New Covenant. By asking questions, Jesus asked his audience to to think deeply about things and maybe even uh, by their questions, change their perspective on uh, theology and uh, matters of life that what may have been new to them. And uh, I even see this in my own spiritual direction ministry. And even when I was teaching, when a student or a directee comes to their own conclusion about next steps or something about who they are, when they're the ones that have done the work and have come to their own conclusion, it's much stickier than it is if, if someone tells you, this is what you need to do next. It probably won't stick. Which, if you think about when you were a teenager, Chris, I wonder if if when your parents told you you need to do X, Y, and Z, it was probably much harder for you to follow through and do what they said um, compared to if you decided on your own. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So that is kind of a cool way for for spiritual directors to approach a directee is to help them 
discern for themselves. And so that is where that teaching discernment comes in. The last metaphor that Gunther uses is a midwife. I think this is a really special image for direction. The relationship between a midwife and her client is built on trust and mutual respect. There is a professionalism there, and the midwife is journeying along with her client to help assist in this birth of a new person. Gunther says that the director is the midwife to a directee in the labor, which is that hard spiritual work. The transition, which is where there's so much discomfort and there's so much change taking place. And then at the end, there's the celebration and rejoicing of this journey together that created a new person. In in midwifery, that new person is the baby. But in spiritual direction, we can sometimes feel like there was something that gave birth within us. One of my favorite songs at the moment is by a band called Switchfoot, and they did a song with Lauren Daigle called I Won't Let You Go. And this was something that when I was reading this Gunther book originally, I couldn't help but sing this song alongside this idea of midwifery. And the lyrics say, when your insides are breaking in and you feel that ache again and you wonder what's giving birth. And that is an honor for a spiritual director to come alongside a directee and help them discern what's giving birth and uh, where God is in this transition. I remember reading Gunther's book and, and thinking that that midwife uh, metaphor was really insightful. Um, I did not know anything about midwifery before that. And so I learned both about, you know, just the the practice of midwifery and how it really applies to spiritual direction. Or now, as you're a director, um, which one of these metaphors do you think jumps out at you and kind of resonates most with you and your spiritual direction practice? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think in the beginning of a relationship with a directee, I am mostly host. And then as we journey together, this directee and I, Um, I love the idea of the midwife. The insight of the midwife, I think, is really spectacular. And just even thinking about my journey in the last few years with spiritual direction with my director and uh, how there has been a new person that has been birthed and uh, that my director journeyed alongside me and helped me understand what was happening. And she celebrated with me when I had reached the end of uh, of each of these hard times of spiritual labor. Yes, that celebration is, is one of the best things that we get to do with our directees, um, getting to see uh, amazing things happen, happening in their lives and then getting to celebrate with them is, is a wonderful thing. Um, I I definitely see aspects of each of these metaphors in my spiritual direction ministry as well. Um, However, I think I resonate most deeply with host because I feel so strongly about providing a safe space to hold people's stories and allow them to spill their hearts out uh, to, to someone for an hour a month. And that is so valuable to so many people. They don't really have that in a lot of places in their lives. Um, um, even in their own families, many people don't have that kind of person to to really give them their undivided attention for that hour. 
So yeah, so host is probably what I resonate most deeply with. Yep, I love Chris that you said that um, people don't always feel listened to; that they need somebody to uh, just someone to uh, to listen to them. That is a gift that a lot of people don't have. So, Chris, can you talk a little bit about how a spiritual director listens? What that means? Yes, um, and. Part of our training as spiritual directors is to learn how to listen because believe it or not, we aren't always good at listening. We are not really trained to listen in, in our normal uh, day-to-day lives. So we do a lot of practice about listening to people and trying to really pick up on cues. We really pay attention to things like body language and facial expressions because they often will tip a director off on to something that's going on inside the directee's heart, but the directee doesn't really know that it, that it's happening. So we watch for that kind of thing. We watch for pauses when a directee is speaking. We look for signs of anxiety and um, also signs of joy um, and tension. Any of these kinds of emotions or bodily um, situations that might arise, we pay attention to that and we say, let's see if we can dig deeper here and, and, and figure out what's going on. So we offer the invitation to the directee. We don't, we don't force them to go where they're not willing to go or not comfortable to go. Uh, but over time, directees do become more comfortable in digging deeper. And many people have never had the experience of digging down deeper beneath the surface. And so um, part of our jobs as directors is to, to continually offer that and, and also teach them how to go deeper. Um, so we try to ask questions that help you think more deeply about the issues that you're dealing with and the things that you're thinking about. Um, we ask a lot of uh, questions that are, are, are really probing questions that cause you to think and not simply answer with a yes or no. So we don't want to answer, ask these yes or no questions. That doesn't really help anyone go deeper. So we want to also ask questions that evoke emotions and feelings uh, in order to tease out those kinds of things. And as Maggie mentioned earlier, uh, while teaching is one of the metaphors that uh, Margaret Gunther brought up, we are not teachers in the classic sense. We're not here to teach you doctrine. We're not here to teach you um, history or how to do anything. Um, so this isn't Sunday school class or seminary. We, we want you to, um, to be able to learn how to, how to hear God and how to uh, just pay attention to the, to the voice of the Spirit in your life. That's so good. Um, not only do we pay attention to things that the directee says and what their body language is saying, but we also listen for things that the directee doesn't mention. It's interesting to me how often people leave out feeling words and they don't necessarily are, they're not necessarily aware of what they're feeling. And uh, that is a really great step into this idea of learning about yourself and growing in who you are and how you were created to pay attention to what you're feeling. One question that I ask often is, how does that sit with you? Or how do you feel about that? So I've mentioned that my philosophy of spiritual formation and that kind of comes out in spiritual direction is a quote from Calvin that you can't know God unless you know yourself and you can't know yourself without knowing God. A director listens for a directee's image of God. That means, um, do they think that do they see God as a loving parent? Do they see God as a vengeful judge? 
do they think that God created the earth and then said, good luck humans and left, whatever that might be. We know as directors that how we see God shapes not only how they feel about God, but how they interact with God and how they can trust in the work that God is doing um, from month to month or day to day or within a session. We also listen for how a directee names God. When I talk about God, I personally usually use God or Jesus. Um, I am learning about how putting a gender on God can be upsetting for people. And so I try to be as neutral as possible and say, God, I don't often say he or father until I hear somebody use a male word for God or a female word for God. If they connect with God through, through the mother of creation or whatever it might be. And so how a directee names God is something that a director listens for and then repeats back to them. Uh, some people, when they talk about God, they, they call God daddy. Some people call God spirit or the Holy Spirit, or they talk about Jesus, which is, again, where I kind of sit. I talk about Jesus a lot. And in different faith traditions, people don't necessarily use the word, the name Jesus or their faith tradition doesn't connect God with a parent or a heavenly parent. And so that is why it's so important to, uh, to repeat back to the directee how they name God. Chris, how do you approach God? I personally, I will often speak of simply the word God or Holy Spirit. When I'm talking kind of about what, what I'm feeling or hearing from God, I'll say Holy Spirit. When I'm kind of talking to God, I will address God as God. I'm also, like you mentioned earlier, trying to get away from using uh, gendered pronouns with God. And instead of saying he or him, I will simply just say God in, in place of that pronoun. I learned that from really from reading a lot of the Jesuit writers, and I noticed how they never say he or him when they talk about God. They just say God. And I thought that was so profound and it, it really works and uh, it helps to, to kind of get that, uh, that gender language out and just, just let God be God. Um, one particular Jesuit writer that I have found very helpful, his name is William Barry. He is a Jesuit priest that has written some really great books on spiritual direction and on just the general spiritual life. The, the book that he wrote uh, was one of our required readings for our spiritual direction program was called The Practice of Spiritual Direction. That one was also was uh, was really helpful. Another book that I thought was great was Paying Attention to God. And I, th I thought that was super helpful in helping us figure out new ways to pay attention to what God's doing in the world. And what I thought was really insightful in that book in particular was his description of what the kingdom of God looks like and how we can participate in being a part of the kingdom of God right here on earth. So paying attention to God was, was super great. I love that. Um, some books that have helped me, and we'll put all these in the show notes as well. David Benner wrote a book called Opening to God. And in there, he talked a little bit about how he was being very intentional about not using gendered pronouns and his reasoning behind that. I read that somewhere along the way where I, after I had already started to uh, remove 
the masculine pronouns from my language when I talk about God. And that book helped me even see why um, calling it the kingdom of God makes a difference. And so now I even try to say something like the realm of God. And then another book that really just changed my entire perspective on the whole gendered God thing is a book by Sue Kid Monk called The Dance of the Dissident Daughter. And she talks about her journey toward having a relationship with a God that is also feminine as well as masculine. And that book was amazing. Have you ever read The Shacks? Oh, oh my gosh. Such a great book. (laughs) Yes, that book blew my mind. Yes, it was revolutionary at the time. And I think in portraying God as as a female. So uh, yeah, it's definitely one to read if you haven't already read it. And that book through this filter of spiritual direction really helps um, kind of solidifies the idea that how we see God and our image of God will change how we interact with God. And at the end of the day, God knows the image of God that we need. And so to bring the loving neighbor as a Christ figure or a God figure into someone's life, if that's what they need to be able to connect with God, we get to listen for that and help a directee connect with that image of God. So one of my favorite authors is Brad Jersak, and he was talking about how he has a friend who's a Muslim who also worships God. And he was talking about how their images of God are perhaps different. They probably are slightly different. And he said, you know, if I, as a Christian, drew a picture of what I believed God to look like and gave it to God, God would say, oh, this is such a wonderful picture. And he would go and hang it up on on his fridge. He would say, this is such a beautiful piece of artwork. And then if my Muslim friend also did the same and drew a picture of God, of course it would be different. Of course it would it would have all kinds of wrong things on it. And he used air quotes for wrong. But my Muslim friend would give it to God and God would say, oh, this is so beautiful. And he would go hang it up on his fridge. And Brad said, but I would think, wait a second, my picture of God is the right one and his is not. And God said, well, both of you have drawn beautiful pictures. And the reason I love them is because you are both my children and I love whatever artwork you create. But if you want to see the clearest picture of me, then look at the face of your brother and sister. And there you will see God in in its clearest detail. And I thought that was so beautiful that while we all have different images of God, God delights in every one of them because we're all his children. I love that. We also listen for how a directee walks through that process of discernment. Do they use the Bible to help them decide? Do they talk to friends or family? Do they uh, listen to their feelings to help them discern? Do they think and think and think and logic is their discernment process. Do they pay attention to their instinct? Um, They might not even be aware of feelings. They might rely more on logic and their gut instincts. One thing we've talked about images, um, the image of teacher and midwife and host and all of that. And a directee will talk often in word pictures to help describe what's going on in their life. And so using images back to our directee um, is really helpful in direction as well. 
Yeah, I had a directee recently who who had some really amazing and vivid word pictures. And so it was such a delight to hear them talk about those pictures and then be able to kind of play off of that and work with that picture that they gave me because that was, you know, that's something that meant a lot to them. And so that's that's a really important part of spiritual direction. Another thing that we also we want to do is, um, you know, I mentioned earlier is, is that we like to help directees pay attention to their emotions. But a lot of people are not used to doing that. Uh, they live mostly in their head. So they, th- they think a lot. And you may ask someone how they feel about something and they'll say, well, I think I feel so and so. So they, they're still in their head. And so we want to pay attention to that and see, are they really in tune with their emotions? Are they self-aware of that? Or are they, do they live mostly in their, their intellectual side of the brain? We can take cues from them and then work with them however they are and then over time help them become more in tune with their emotions. And there are also people who who are very in tune with their emotions, but they just, they really don't like it. They don't like that they're so emotional. They don't like that they feel as deeply as they do. And so we want to also feel, uh, make them or help them feel comfortable in talking about their emotions because emotions are so important. People many times have grown up in church and um, their church culture in, in growing up has has taught them not to trust their emotions. And so we feel that that emotions are important and they do point to something deeper. It's kind of like um, something bubbling up on the surface. And, you know, the bubbling up that you see on the surface is only just a little pointer to something deeper. So we want to pay attention to that. And also the, the imagination some, can sometimes play a big part in helping people, um, helping them connect with something deeper going on. So I want to know how do they feel about their imagination? Um, do they feel that their imagination is trustworthy? Some people feel like it's not. Other people that they may say, "Sure, let's 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 go there. Let's use my imagination." One of the things that I believe, at least I have, I do try to do often, is using Ignatian style imaginative prayer, and and that is you know that was, that was popularized by Ignatius of Loyola back in the 1500s. Uh, and it, it allows people to enter into a gospel story or some other uh, story within the Bible and help them kind of become part of that story and experience it with their imagination and all five of their senses through their imagination. Chris, I think what you're saying is so important, too, about the being in tune with their emotions and paying attention to what they're thinking. Part of my philosophy in spiritual direction and really spiritual formation is that it is a whole body theology, meaning that our what our thoughts are important, our feelings are important, and what our bodies or our gut is telling us is also important. And so learning to embrace and reconnect all three of those to become a whole person um, and embracing the way that we are created to uh, think and feel and uh, have instincts and uh, learning to trust all three of them and using them together to help in this process of discernment. That was great, Maggie. I love that idea of integrating um, mind, body, and soul. That's such an uh, important thing that, that spiritual direction really helps with. Mm-hmm.